Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week, we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. We hope you find this message encouraging. your left, look to your right, look for your buddy or your friend that didn't come to church today, and text him this afternoon and say, y'all missed it. Girls, good job. Good job. Give him another hand. That was incredible. So we, we record the sermon audio here. We have a podcast, and uh, I'm speaking today, and I thought, let me, let me see what I can do to make it sound like people are clapping for me when I come up, and it, it worked out pretty good, so... Just kidding, guys, just kidding. Good morning, everybody. Hey, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy that you're here, and uh, I am honored and privileged to be able to talk with you guys this morning. Um, Last week, we started a collection of sermons that are covering some of the the big ideas of our Christian faith, some of the big things that we need to connect with in our our Christian journey, right? Our, Our salvation was bought and paid for long, long ago, but the moment that we became Christians is when our sanctification began, and it is an ongoing process, and we need to continually grow in that, correct? Yes, absolutely. So last week, Pastor Philip talked about ministry, what it is, why it's important, and, and I tell you, I for one, I actually learned a few things um, as we were getting ready and, and talking about that. He, he brought a perspective to it that me, having come up in church all these years, never, I never really saw it through the, the lens that he spoke of it last week. I guess because just... You know, you hear about the ministers and the ministry, and well, that's a missionary, that's an evangelist, that's a pastor. That's not really what the ministry is, and we, we learned about that last week. And so this morning, uh, we're going to talk about fellowship, okay? And the big idea here is that where I'm coming from with this is that fellowship, godly fellowship with each other, leads to true worship of God. It is a, it is a part of the process, right? And so we're going to turn with me, if you prefer, to 1 John 1, 3 and 7. We're going to read that real quick this morning. Starting in verse 3. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light, and there is no darkness in him. So, we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But, if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It's a great little scripture verse there. It says fellowship five times, so that works out for me. So fellowship, like I, just, like I just told you guys, Pastor talked about ministry last week, and, and because I'd been in church my whole life, I learned something, you know what I mean? Because ministry just became a word that I thought had a meaning. And fellowship is another word like that. Uh, this, is, this is what we call Christianese. Are you guys, do you guys know this phrase, Christianese? Is that something that y'all are all hip to? All the podcasts that I listen to, like all the preachers and church leaders, they talk about Christianese a lot because it, it really can be a negative thing. 
But Christianese, I mean, if you don't understand, it's just the slang we use in our Christian subculture, right? It's words that we understand have a meaning that maybe don't necessarily make sense to an outsider. That's why we would maybe be concerned about using Christian ease from the platform because if somebody was visiting and it's their first time in church ever, and maybe we began to talk about prayer and we had a member of the congregation that needed prayer and we said, come on down, let's pray. And I, and I, said, I said, I plead the blood of the lamb. Could you imagine if you've never been to church before and a guy is, is praying and he's got his hands on it and he says he pleads for the blood of the lamb? Like without any context, that sounds insane. Now, we're all good in this room. Everybody in here understands that when we say plead the blood of the lamb, we're talking about Jesus, the lamb that was slain for our sins and his blood that cleanses us, right? We get that. See, I just did that. I just said cleanses us. Like, y'all know what I meant, though, when I said his blood cleanses us. It's Christianese. Fellowship, <clears throat> fellowship is one of these Christianese words. But fellowship's tough because it has multiple meanings within the subculture of Christianity in our context, our Christianese context. Uh, if you had a friend that was a Christian and was visiting from out of town, and you knew that they were going to be in town this weekend, you might call them up and say, hey, I heard you're in town. Why don't you come fellowship with us at Family Worship Center this Sunday? And they would know absolutely, specifically what you meant. Meet me in the foyer right before service starts. We'll go inside. We'll sit to church. Church will start at 1030. It'll end at 12, not a minute over. And then maybe, maybe we'll do something afterwards. But rather, if you would have said to that same friend, hey, come fellowship with us after church this Sunday, they would understand implicitly that there's a potluck. And the ladies are going to be cooking and the desserts are going to be good. You get what I'm saying? Fellowship has, has different meanings. If I was to say in this room this morning, we need to gather the fellowship. I think you guys would all understand that we need to gather the fellowship because there's a ring, one ring to rule them all, and we need to destroy the ring. Okay, my nerds got me this morning. Awesome. I appreciate you guys. Now, this morning, we're going to talk about fellowship and, and what it is defined as, which is a, a gathering of people with common interests, a pleasant gathering of people with a common interest. Pretty simple, right? Hey. How many of you this morning are interested in getting to know Jesus better? How many of you are interested in becoming more like Jesus every day? Yeah, me too. Let's fellowship then, okay? Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to come into your house, to open up your word. Lord, I pray that our hearts and ears would be open and that these words that you've given me to speak would touch us this morning, that we would all learn something and that we would all grow closer to you, Jesus. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. All right. So, y'all know I got to get a drink. Hang on. I'll say it every time. I don't know how he does it. I could drink a gallon of this up here. Ephesians 4 tells us that we should make every effort to stay united. There's scripture after scripture after scripture that talks about Christian fellowship, Christian unity, us being together. We are called to love all people, all people groups, but then we are specifically called to love each other. We are called to, uh, to show kindness and generosity to all people groups, and then we are specifically called to show kindness and generosity to each other, scripture after scripture after scripture. And when you think about that, what the Bible is telling us as Christians, and you, and you look at the numbers that say something over like 2 billion people in the world claim Jesus Christ as their Savior, that's a lot of fellowshipping. That's a big ring of people all around the world, and yet we're called to have unity with them. 
And I think what that means is that we should be called, or we should rather be open and tuned in to the Holy Spirit. I don't, I don't think it's just a feeling, but I think it's a real thing when you're maybe watching the news and you see uh, something about Christian persecution on the other side of the world and you begin to have a burden for a specific person and you begin to pray for that person. That's Christian fellowship for two billion people. But we can bring it down a little bit smaller and talk about this city. The thousands, thousands of people in this city who profess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And we need to have fellowship with them. We need to have a unity across the city. Now, we already have friends that are Christians, so we've got a, a fellowship with them. But that ring of our city, we need to begin to work towards uniting as Christians and believers in the city. Y'all heard how many times I said we? I didn't talk about pastors getting together and organizing stuff. I said we. We got to. Because guess what? When we get to heaven, Pastor Philip, it's going to be just like the rest of us. He's going to be there having a good time. It's up to us to get it together, to get each other together. We can bring it down even smaller to this church. We're called to have godly Christian fellowship right here in this room amongst ourselves. I mean, I, I think that's... I think that goes without saying, but I quit saying it goes without saying. we got to love each other, and we got to love each other better. And we're good. We're good at it. But we got to get better. we got to get to know each other better. You know, tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon about 5.30, if I was to take out my phone and I was to uh, pull up Kenneth Wall, we're, we're in the same fellowship together, me and Kenneth. We're in this church together. And, and even beyond that, we've, we've kind of got a little connection because sometimes he locks the doors and sometimes I lock the doors. And, and you know, we, we serve in the church together. We do things like that. So we got this connection. But if I was to call him at 530 and uh, he answered the phone, he'd say, hello. And I'd say, hey, Kenneth, how are you? He'd say, I'm good, man. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks for asking. Hey, uh, Kenneth, how was your day? Ah, it was good, man. Why? Because I don't have that kind of relationship with Kenneth. Now, if I was to call Jonathan on his way from home from work and ask him how was his day, he'd tell me how his day was. He'd tell me what happened in his day, mostly. If I was to call my wife and ask her how's your day, she'd tell me, and she'd tell me the truth. She'd tell me the whole truth. Jonathan, Jonathan might have had a situation at work that he's embarrassed about. He's not going to tell me about it. Aaron would. Kenneth is going to wonder why I'm calling him. But if I was to start calling him every Tuesday afternoon at 5.30, maybe eventually our relationship would become a true friendship. So that's us as a family. So we, now we're going to bring it down to the final circle. It's your inner circle. This is the final ring. And this is where we're going to spend our time this morning. Because, see, I believe that godly Christian fellowship is important to our Christian walk. It's important to our faith. But I also believe that if we can't get it right in our inner circle, then we're not going to get it right in this room. If we can't get it right in this room, we're not going to get it right in this city. And we got to get it right. So the people that are closest to you, godly Christian fellowship. That's what we need to talk about this morning. Now, for most of us, it's going to be a spouse. Maybe a best friend. We all have friends that we're close with. Some Christian, some not Christian. And I think it's important to make that distinction this morning. I have an inner circle. I have very close relationships. I have some friends that are like 
going to hell. Big time. But from, separate from that, I've got to have godly, Christian, 100% open and honest fellowship. And here's why. Because my friend that is in my inner circle but doesn't know Jesus, we can't have a perfect unity. And here's why. When he starts griping about his marriage and how he's sick of it, he thinks I'm listening, but he doesn't know I'm praying in the spirit for God to move in his life. Hopefully one day I'll be able to bring him over to this circle. But today we're going to talk about our Christian circles, our godly Christian fellowship. So there's three things we need to look at. We need to be fully committed, we need to be future-minded, and we need to have a faithful endurance. Okay? So first of all, to be fully committed. Think about, I bet, I bet I'm not the only one. I bet many of us probably. You have a, maybe a friend. Maybe you grew up together or something like that, and you guys were really, really tight and really close. And uh, eventually life happened, and you, you got separated. And now you can't catch up with this person, but maybe a couple of times a year. But when you do, it's like you pick up like you never left off. Do y'all have friends like that? Does anybody have friends like that? I got friends like that. I got, I, Caitlin's got a picture. Look at this. Y'all don't even know about this, okay? This is, this is Red Cross Canoe Camp, 1992, Zavala, Texas. That is me and my best friend in the whole world. That's Lance. And we're taking care of business, y'all. Hey, give me a paddle and a canoe, and I can make that canoe do things you didn't know canoes could do. Me and him, put me and him in a canoe together, we can parallel park that sucker. I guarantee you. They got cars that parallel park themselves because y'all can't figure it out. We parallel park boats, okay? We go way, way back. But you know what? He was my best friend for a long time. It was just me and him for a long time. Then my new best friend came along. I kicked him to the curb. But we stayed friends. And as life began to happen and children began to come in, we began to hang out less and less and less. Until at this point, it's really not much more than a birthday text message. He came by the store I worked to visit me uh, just last week. And I realized at that point it had been two years since we had talked. But it wasn't awkward because he's part of my inner circle. I know it had been two years since the last time we talked because the last time that we talked was right after Hurricane Harvey. Um, my, my parents' house flooded, and they came to my house, and just a couple of days after the storm, he sent me a text message. And it said this. It said, bro, B-R-O, period. Then he said, your parents' house, dot, dot, dot. He didn't put a question mark because it wasn't a question he needed answered. See, he came up with me, and he was there two times before when our house was flooded and destroyed. He was there when we didn't have carpet but just cement floors. He was there when there was no sheetrock on the walls. He's tight with me. He's been with me for a long time. So I just, I just replied, my parents live with me now, LOL. He texts me back, what time do y'all eat? I told him. And he texts me and said, tell him not to cook tonight. And right about dinner time, my boy showed up and he showed out. He came in with catering trays. He cooked all this stuff himself, though. But I mean, pulled pork and corn on the cob, and fried okra, and mashed potatoes, and gravy, and bread rolls, and sweet tea. And I'm like, man, you know there's only nine of us living here right now. It was ridiculous. I should have called y'all and said, come to my house for fellowship. That's what we should have done, because that's what it was like. It was like an after-church lunch. And my mom and dad got to sit and eat a good meal. And me and my best friend got to sit in the living room and talk. 
Before that, I hadn't talked to him in years. The last time I talked to him before that was when his mom died. But we get back together, it's like he never picked it, never left off. He's part of my inner circle. I can always turn to him. I can always trust in him, and he the same for me. But when it comes specifically to your Christian faith, who do you have? We've got to be committed. If we're going to be godly fellowship, we've got to be committed to this. Look at Peter in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus says, hey, come with me. He's out fishing, doing his job. Jesus says, come with me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. Well, that's funny sounding. But Peter was at work, working. And Jesus, I don't know if, if, if Jesus just out of the blue was a random stranger or if he'd kind of been preaching around town and Peter knew who he was. I don't know. But Jesus said, quit your job and come work for me. I got no money. And the scripture says that Peter immediately put down his nets and followed Jesus. From the get-go, fully committed. That's an example that we need to look to. We need to be fully committed. The next thing is we need to be future-minded. Now, I know I say future-minded, probably one of the first things that you, you think of is, yeah, the future of the church and the youth, and man, you know, got to plan ahead. And that's, to me, very, very important. But when I say future-minded, what I'm saying is that we need to be speaking life into each other. We need to be speaking, we need to be prophesying over our inner circle in a positive way. You know what I'm saying? We need to constantly be uplifting and encouraging and speaking to what we know our inner circle can become. We don't need to worry about the negative stuff. That's loud enough as it is. Let's begin to speak life. Look at uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.11. says, so encourage each other and build each other up. And that's what we need to be doing from the youngest in this room to the oldest in this room. We need to be talking cross-generational. We need to be lifting each other up and encouraging. It's, I think, easy for people that are grandparents to encourage younger people. It comes natural to y'all. But young guys, we got to encourage these old people too. They need it. Yes, ma'am. They need it just as much as you do. Think about that. You need to be speaking life into generations that are ahead of you. All of us do. And I, I know it's like, okay, I don't understand how to speak life. Let me help you guys out. Young people, let me help you out. Here's how you speak life into an older generation. You do it like this. You say, Zach, you don't look a day over 29. And I'll take that. I'll take that because some of them are closer to 29 than me anyway, so they probably know what they're talking about. In John 1, in verse 42, Jesus is getting Peter. Come on. Let's do this ministry thing. Uh, except his name's not Peter. We've been calling him, we call him Peter all the time. It's not his name. His name is Simon. And Jesus says, Simon, I'm going to call you Peter. Now, for those of us that speak Christianese, in other words, we've been around church long enough, we know Peter means rock, right? We get that. But what does Simon mean? Well, I did some looking. And Simon uh, means the listener or one who listens. Kind of like a, a follower, I guess, as opposed to a leader. And Jesus immediately, first day on the job, I know you're the listener, but I see a preacher. I see a preacher that can preach a sermon and 3,000 people come down for the altar call. So I'm going to change your name to Peter. He's speaking life into who he's choosing for his inner circle. We've got to do that, guys. We've got to begin to speak life into each other. And finally, we've got to have a faithful endurance. We've got to be in it for the long haul. If you build your circle right, 
Your inner circle will stay with you for your whole life. And y'all can link up with other circles and unity begins to form. But we've got to be committed. And if we're going to have godly Christian fellowship, then we're going to get hurt. Because here's the thing. Christian fellowship requires Christians. And to be a Christian, you have to be part human. And to be human is to be fallible and sinful and selfish and greedy. And we're all trying to get better. But we've got, we got a ways to go. And if you've got an inner circle and you guys are huddled up, you're exposing yourself to those people. And they can jab you. I'm good with that. But this tongue right here, fast. Fast. Jonathan said something to me this morning. I don't know if it was a compliment or an insult. But I had three comebacks before he got it out. I didn't say anything, though. I didn't say anything because I figured I'm preaching today and I better not, you know, be, oh, yeah? Well, you know. We have this thing where we say, if we put godly in front of something, that means it's going to be easy. Let's have godly fellowship. That means it's going to be easy. No. It's just as hard. Human relationships are just as hard. But we're going to be committed to each other. Jesus was committed. Jesus was committed for the long haul, man. At his, at his last meal, the last supper, when he tells his disciples, one of you is going to betray me, Peter's like, not me, not going to happen. Jesus is like, yes. Not only that, tonight you're going to deny that you even knew me three times. And so as we know, we know the story, Judas the betrayer leaves, the rest of the disciples go, and they're going to go pray. And they get to a certain spot, and Jesus says, okay, you guys wait here. You three, inner circle, come with me. And they went a little further. And this is where Jesus begins to open up. And he's with his inner circle now. He begins to bear his soul. It's the pressure I feel right now. I mean, I feel like I'm going to die from this anguish that I'm feeling. But i got to go talk to my father. And I can't do it alone, but I have to do it alone. You just wait with me. Will you just stay up with me? Will you just support me? Yeah, Jesus, yeah. So Jesus goes, the man who is God, and he connects with heaven, and he talks to his father. And he's saying, God, I know. I know I came here for this purpose, and I know I've lived these 33 years without sinning, and I am now the perfect sacrifice for all sin. But is there another way? And he prayed, he prayed, until he couldn't take it anymore, and he needed some encouragement, so he went back to his boys. And they were what? Asleep. Strike one, Peter. Guys, come on, get up. Get up. Okay, up, 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 up. I really, I just need your support. Let me go pray again. Praise. Until he can't take anymore. He needs, he needs some encouragement. He needs his boys. Goes back. They're asleep. Second time tonight, Peter. Guys, come on, get up, get up, get up. Goes to pray one last time. Now, I want y'all to try to connect with this. Jesus is under so much physical duress. Blood is coming out of his pores. Dying is going to hurt. Getting beat is going to hurt. But for the first time in all of existence, he's about to be separated from the Father. There has got to be no understanding, no camp, homesick kind of feeling that we could even comprehend. That for all of existence, Father, Son, and Spirit were perfect unity, the perfect inner circle. As a matter of fact, their unity is so great and so beautiful and so perfect. We're all here today because they wanted to create to share. And he's about to say goodbye. 
He's got moments left. He's connected to heaven. He's Jesus. He knows the soldiers are coming. And he makes the decision to say goodbye to his father and go back one more time to get the support for his human body from his friends, and they failed him again. And he wakes him up, and Peter says, we're, this time we're good, and Jesus has to say, it's, it's too late, and here they come. It's beautiful to me that Jesus went through this. This is a spiritual thing that we don't comprehend, but this is real human relationships, and they let him down when he needed them the most. Now, if it was me, there would have been no two or three times. If I bear my soul to you, and I am honest about how I'm feeling, and I say, will you just wait up with me, and you say yes, and then you fail me? All the things I did for you, all the times I took care of you, all the times I bailed you out, not me. But Jesus stays with him. So we know the story. Jesus dies. He raises again. We always say raise again in church. He rose again. Why do we say that? He only rose one time. Am I right? He rose. Period. Anyway, Christianese. Jesus comes back to life. First item on his agenda, I got to go find Peter. And I got to make reconciliation with Peter. Jesus had nothing to reconcile. Jesus had nothing to apologize for. Peter needed to do the apologizing but Jesus had his inner circle, and he had a relationship with them where he said, no, I'm going to go get you and bring you back, and you need to apologize. We need to have those kind of relationships where we have so much trust and communication with each other that when I go wrong, you reach out to me and say, you're wrong. Get right back here and apologize, and I accept that because I trust you and you trust me. You guys get what I'm saying? So Jesus goes. He finds the boys. They're out fishing again, back to what they knew. He makes a fire and starts cooking some fish, and he does the same thing he did the first time he saw Peter. Hey, try throwing your nets on the other side if you're not having any luck. Peter's like, John, do we know that guy? John's like, that is Jesus, man. Peter just jumps off the boat and runs to him. And I'm sure they hug, and I'm sure they embrace, and I'm sure it was a really cool moment. Jesus said, I got some food. Sit down, let's eat. So there they are. They're Christians. They're eating food, fellowshipping. And Jesus says, Hey, Simon, do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus says, feed my sheep. Then does it again. Simon, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Three times. We all heard this lesson in Sunday school, right? Peter denied him three times. Jesus asked him, do you love me? Three times. Just trying to even everything out. But he, kept, he was calling him Simon. Simon, son of John. I mean, was, is this a shot? Is Jesus taking a shot? We're back, to the, we're back to the listener, not the leader, but the follower? I don't think so. I don't think that Jesus lived 33 perfect sinless years and died to ratify all sin and came back and the first thing he wanted to do was get snarky with one of his friends. I don't think that's the case at all. I think what's happening here is Jesus is in this moment, in this inner circle saying, okay, bud, we're back to ground zero again. We're back to where we started. That's okay. Do you love me? Then let's do this. And a couple verses later, they kind of they get this worked out. And Jesus, in his um, the way of talking, lets Peter know, you're going to die for this. Like, I'm going back to heaven, and you're going to be one of the ones that die for this. Peter's like, what about John? Is he going to die? And Jesus tells him, what does it matter to you? This is what I'm calling you to do. That's that inner circle kind of talk where we need to begin to 
get our inner circle, get them in close, and begin to be open and honest about the things that we're dealing with. Um, specifically this morning when Pastor was praying, he talked about, hey, sometimes there's just things that you can't say. And that's right. But not with Aaron. There's nothing that I can't say with Aaron. I mean, she knows all kind of ugly stuff. She's my only one, though. She's the only one to pull me back on track if she sees I'm getting close to stuff that, you know, she knows about. Well, I need more than that. We need to begin to have this kind of open with people that are not our spouses. We need to start asking for help or confessing sin to each other till it's awkward and then keep doing it so it's not awkward anymore. We need each other, guys. Our inner circles need to be tight so that this circle can be tight and Christianity as a whole can be tight. Why are we talking about all this? I mean, it's fellowship, it's church, it's important. I feel like everything I've said is valuable. Earlier this year, uh, one, of our, uh, one of my customers at my store, this guy was a regular customer, um, and the kind of guy that would come in just to hang out kind of customer. Earlier this year, he took his life. He left his wife and his three sons. And his friend, who is another good regular customer that comes by just to hang out, his best friend, inner circle, came by a few days afterwards, told us what happened. Myself and my boss and this man, we had a quick little inner circle, and, and we cried together. And he said, the last time I talked to him, I knew, I knew he was going through some stuff, but the last time I talked to him, I wish I just would have asked him if he was okay. And I didn't, and I feel guilty about that. If you guys follow Christian culture and, and big churches and big pastors and stuff like that, you may be aware that a couple of weeks ago, another, I say another, young pastor took his own life, left his wife and two sons. This happens to be a pastor that I follow, like on Instagram. And one Monday afternoon, after I'd cooked dinner, I was flipping through, and there's a video of him. His wife had posted it. They're at his five-year-old son's t-ball game, and he's got his three-year-old son swinging him upside down by the leg, laughing. 7 p.m. and 11 p.m. he took his life. Just a couple of weeks ago, my daughters and their friends wore color for a kid in their school. It took his own life. It's my child's school. And then just earlier this week, another local musician, another friend, took his life. So the talk around the shop for the last half of this week is all these people that were his friends are coming by because we're all friends. It's, this is part of the morning. Everybody say, I, I wish you would have just, I wish you would have reached out to me. I wish you would have reached out to me. I wish you would have let me know. So here's what I'm getting at this morning. Part of the human sin nature is pride. We don't reach out. We don't reach out when we need gas money. And we certainly don't reach out when we're struggling with sin. And we definitely don't reach out when we're thinking some of the most horrible thoughts that I cannot comprehend. So grab your inner circle. Get them close. Make sure they know how valuable they are to you and to God. Love them. And don't be afraid to ask the hard questions. Because we need each other. Let's pray.
Dear Heavenly Father, I know it's a, it's a heavy way to end this sermon uh, on this Sunday morning. But Lord, I know my heart has been hurting for people, and I know I'm not the only one in this room. So right now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just come into this room, fall on us, and embolden us to be courageous and ask the awkward questions to our inner circle. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would begin to build unity with our inner circle so that we can build a stronger unity in this family worship center circle. We want that unity to get stronger so that we can grow and be unified with Christians around the world. But God, we know this is your desire, that your ultimate desire is for your church, your bride, to worship you wholly and in unity. And so we ask these things in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Um, if anybody wants to come up and pray, I'll be up here. Otherwise, have a great and wonderful week. Thank you for listening. I love you guys. Thank you.